The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, back at you with another episode of the Quarantine Chronicles, the Punt and Pass Pandemic Podcast, and we have an awesome episode lined up today with a great guest, a very topical guest, one that I think everybody is going to learn a ton from, that I think everybody will be involved with next week. I'm talking about the NFL Draft, and our guest today is a prominent sports agent, a really good friend of mine, none other than Pat Dye Jr. Pat's the founder and president of Sports Trust Advisors based out of Atlanta, Georgia. He is my former agent. He's got more than 30 years' experience in the interest industry. He's negotiated dozens of landmark contracts for NFL stars, including Hall of Fame inductees, pro bowlers, and many more over the course of four decades. Pat represents tons of top players in the NFL, along with many high-profile SEC stars that I think a lot of our listeners would be very familiar with, like Dante Hightower, Calvin Ridley, Riley Ridley, Isaiah McKenzie, Andrew Whitworth, and many more. Pat is a stud. He's got a great team over at Sports Trust. Love everybody in that office. They do an unbelievable job. And as you know, the 2020 NFL Draft is happening next week. That's right. It was scheduled to be in Las Vegas. They were going to do it on the Strip in the fountains of the Bellagio. It's taking place from April 23rd to April 25th. But since the coronavirus pandemic has gripped the world, those plans have been scrapped, and they are going ahead with a virtual draft. That's right, a virtual draft. All NFL facilities are closed. GMs, the decision makers, are not even allowed inside the facilities. Everybody's going to be at home. I read this morning that they'll be implementing Microsoft Teams software to get the picks in. I think the NFL is sending specific cameras to make sure everybody has the same quality to about 60 prospects who they think that they will be able to have access to inside their homes. Just absolutely unprecedented circumstances, and I want to know what a sports agent thinks about how this is going to play out. What has he heard? What is he telling his prospects? What has this communication been like? You know, I think it's very important that the NFL is continuing to do business, and and they're making the draft next week a huge fundraiser for the coronavirus pandemic and those who have been affected by it, which I think obviously is a fantastic idea, 
But there are so many questions that I think we need to have Pat answer for us. What will this look like? You know, what are they hearing? Is it going to go off without a hitch? Uh, is there anything that you can even compare this to? I think this is extremely interesting. Pat's a fantastic guy, extremely knowledgeable as well. He should be able to dive into just about all of this and let us know what to expect next week with the 2020 NFL Draft. I've got a ton of questions for him, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Here's our guest on today's Quarantine Chronicles, sports agent Pat Dye Jr. from Sports Trust Advisors. Okay, here we go. Let's welcome in our guest on this episode of the Quarantine Chronicles. It's Pat Dye Jr., the founder and president of Sports Trust Advisors. As I mentioned, Pat has more than 30 years' experience in the industry. He's a former agent of mine. He has negotiated huge landmark deals for NFL stars, Hall of Famers, Pro Bowlers, a lot of top players, top former SEC stars that our listeners would be very familiar with. And why not talk to Pat? with the 2020 NFL Draft happening next week, April 23rd through the 25th. Pat, it's the virtual draft. It was supposed to be in Las Vegas. I'm sure that would have been a lot of fun. But due to the coronavirus pandemic, those plans have been scrapped. These are unprecedented circumstances being dealt with right before maybe the biggest time of an agent season. First off, how are you, my man? And is there anything you could compare this pre-draft process to? Uh, well, I'm doing well. Um, I'm healthy, staying safe, staying inside. Um, my kids are doing well, and um, my parents and siblings are all all healthy and doing what they're supposed to do. So I appreciate you asking. Um, as far as this draft and, and comparing it to, um, you know, uh, an agency related event. The only, the only thing I can possibly think of was the, the lockout in 2011. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had the draft as usual. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we started the lockout, I guess at the beginning of the, the new league year, and then we had the draft, but players couldn't go to their facilities. Um, you know, uh, there, we could we didn't have free agency until August when the lockout broke, so we were in this from March until August, just this holding period where, you know, nothing was happening other than you know the the league and the players association were continuing to to negotiate, and obviously we were obsessed with you know are we making progress. If so, you know how and when and where and all this stuff, and and I guess they probably gave us three or four days notice that you know once they had reached an agreement they said we'll start free agency and i don't know i can't remember exactly what it was it was a three or four day um, timeline for us to all kind of get our ducks in a row and try to get our heads reasonably around the new terms of or the terms of the new cba and and then we kicked off free agency um you know in, in august and uh training camp hadn't even started yet um it was obviously going to get started off to a late start. And, uh, and it was just, it was bedlam. I mean, it went just as fast as it, as it always does. And, but that was an interesting dynamic having free agency after the draft, uh, because at that point, you know, teams, you know, obviously knew what they had gotten out of the draft. And if a team, you know, needed to sign say a Todd Gurley and they drafted a running back in the first round, all of a sudden they're off a Todd Gurley. Yeah. 
So that was that was an interesting dynamic. And there's some teams that actually would prefer to have, you know, free agency after the draft. That's the way the NBA does it. They have the draft first and then free agency. Um, I don't really have a, a strong feeling about that, but that's about the only event that I can compare in my 32 years of, of doing this uh, to what we're what we're dealing with now. And and um, and having said that, Drew. Um, other than the fact that you know facilities are shut down, um, you know uh, off-season programs are not starting on time. They're going to start virtually on April the 20th. Other than that, and and teams not being able to have in-person draft meetings and things like that, we've really kind of operated as scheduled. Um, you know, we started free agency on time. Now, I, I thought that was shocking because. Gosh, we don't find out until noon on a Sunday that the CBA passed, mm-hmm. the new CBA passed by the smallest of margins. I think 61 votes, if you can believe that. And uh, and then 24 hours later, we're starting, you know, our negotiation window at on, at noon on a Monday. And you know, and and different states have different rules in place as far as you know sheltering and. You know, it was it was really really chaotic, and um, all all of the GMs and front office execs, agents, we all thought that the league and the players' association would agree to postpone the beginning of free agency because we were you know starting to really see this you know global pandemic you know taking over our country, our globe, our planet, what have you. And as I said, you already had, you know, states like California and Washington that were way out ahead of this thing in terms of having their their citizens shelter in place. And so, you know, we just all thought that the prudent thing to do would be to push free agency back. I mean, people thought, gosh, it's not a, a great look that you're going to expect. You know, at this point in time, we still expected players to be able to travel, For sure. to take a visit, to take a physical and then you've got 50, 60, 70, 80 million, $100 million contracts flying off the shelf when people are losing their jobs by the second. It just, we all thought it was a bad look. But for whatever reason, um, and I don't know who's responsible for, for pushing forward, I think the, the league blamed the Players Association, Players Association blamed the league, <laughs> and maybe course. they're both partially responsible for, for us pushing through. And I, I, I thought it was crazy at the time, but looking back on it, uh, a couple of things. One, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we got through it. But two, you know, in in, in kind of a weird way, um, it, it gave people that were having to sit at home and not be able to go to work something to do. Yeah. It gave them content, you know, um, following, you know, who's agreed to terms with their favorite NFL teams and which of their favorite NFL players are the Tom Brady saga. I mean, that was that was great content, you know, to, to fill, you know, um, a real, a, a real void in, in sports related content, because as you know, at that point, hockey was canceled. Uh, basketball was canceled. Uh, the golf, the golf, the PGA tour was canceled. Yeah. The masters was canceled. So it did give people, you know, something to do. And, and one specific example that, that I recall is, is, uh, we, we did a deal for ha ha Clinton Dix with the Cowboys and 
man, we didn't agree to terms until probably 1030, 1045 Eastern PM on a Thursday night. And we, we posted a, a tweet and, and we only have like 8,000 followers, you know, we're not like yeah. an entertainer or pre- president Trump or somebody just a sports agency. So we only have about 8,000 followers. We posted this tweet around 1045 Eastern that haha was going to the Cowboys and granted it was, you know, 945 central of course for, you know, the Cowboys fans or whatever. And within an hour we had 2000 likes on that post. And it just, it really spoke to us that, that people are, were at home looking, you know, for news, looking for content, following their favorite team, following their favorite players. So all of that segues to the draft, you know, there were teams that wanted to push the draft back because, you know, they couldn't have in-person meetings with their scouts. They had, couldn't have in-person meetings with players. They had to cancel all these top 30 visits. They had to cancel all these private workouts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the commissioner is just, he never wavered. We're going to do this just as scheduled. And uh, you talk about having a captive audience on the night of the draft. I mean, there, there's no other sports. You're watching, I heard Trump say the other day, he was watching a golf tournament that aired nine years ago. <laughs> um, so you're sitting here, you've got, the, you know, at eight o'clock next Thursday night, the 23rd, I think you're going to have a very, very captive audience um, and watching, you know, the most popular sport in our country and how, and how they pull this draft off. And, and, you know, you're going to, you've got 58 players who the league has sent in, in home cameras and things like that too. So um, I think from the, the idea of, of viewership, the idea of continuing to build a brand and the idea of rolling out tomorrow's, NFL stars, the Joe Burrows, the Chase Youngs, the Tuas, um, you know, it's, it's really a, a brilliant strategy to, to stay on point and, and push through this. And I guess, you know, to the extent that some people might think it's arrogant to do this, I think that's going to be softened by the fact that you've got a commissioner that's going to be telecasting the picks from the basement of his house. So you're sending the right message. You're going to have players. The league is not going to allow the in-home cameras to be shown or the video to stream for gatherings of more than six people in a, in a given home. So they're showing some social responsibility, you know, along with pushing forward during these, you know, obviously these uncertain times and, and certainly by, you know, that's nine, 10, 11 days from now, um, you know, hopefully our, our curve is not only flattening, it's on the, it's on the downward slope and things are starting to look better in, in, in New York and across the country and, and those kind of things. So I think ultimately the decision to, to go ahead with the draft, despite all the challenges, um, is, is going to prove to be great for viewership, great for the league, great for the, the league's new players and, and rolling those guys out. And and frankly, I think good for, you know, the morale. I mean, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of NFL fans. And I think it gives them something to look forward to, something to watch. And uh, so I think it's, it's ultimately going to be proved to be a positive experience. 
No, you bring up a great point. And you also mentioned the lockout 2011. You know, that's nine years ago. I remember it. I was a senior in college still. I hadn't even thought about that from a perspective of agencies, the players, the league really at a standstill during this time of the year with the draft still going on. So it's not like you guys haven't had to deal with something like this. Obviously, this is completely different um, in in a respect from a public health perspective. But you also just mentioned you were surprised that the NFL initially continued on with the league year. We've talked about it in podcasts prior, especially kind of the alarmist gloom and doom that the media has been perpetuating forever. And I'm talking specifically about NFL guys like Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk, Adam Schefter last week talking about carnage in the streets, body bags, all this crazy talk about how the draft will be continuing in in respect to the public health crisis. But look, the NFL said we're going to do it. Like you just said, they're going to practice social responsibility. I'm pretty sure they've already set up some um, charity relief for the coronavirus people who have been affected. They're going to raise money over these three days to help them out. So you're right. I mean, the fact that they plowed on with free agency obviously took a little bit of uh, took a little bit of brunt disrespect at this onset moved through it. It seemed like it worked out pretty well, moving through with the draft. They have a lot of conviction in the way that they're doing business, hopefully. As you just once again said, the curve goes downward, continues to flatten, and and things look up moving towards the fall and the season. Yeah, that HaHa Clinton Dix tweet, I'm looking at it right now. Follow Sports Trust on Twitter, by the way, at underscore Sports Trust. Pat, it's got almost 3,000 likes and uh, 800 retweets. So that one did... Some pretty good numbers for sure. What's crazy about this entire process, though, and really the entire pre-draft process, is that you guys were able to get in the Senior Bowl and the Combine, the two events where coaches and scouts really can get hands-on with these guys, great medical um, examinations as well. Those two did happen, and, and the Senior Bowl was at the end of January, the Combine at the end of February. At that point, Pat, were there any rumblings of this possibility of maybe going into a shelter in place before the draft? I know it was really early in America at that point, but I don't know if you guys were even talking about the possibility or if it all just got hit so quickly as it did with the rest of America. Um, I, I would say this true. There was I don't even I don't even remember the word coronavirus. <laughs> yeah coming up um I, I i do think and i'm just i'm thinking back don't hold me to this but i do think internally for me there was enough news coming out of china that you know i had this feeling of you know that they had hid the virus you know yeah they they had cases in november and and really don't come public until late December, early January, what have you, and just, you know, state-run media and, and all that stuff. I did have that feeling, but in terms of, you know, it affecting the United States, I mean, when I tell you it was business as usual uh, at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl, it was absolutely business as usual. Um, but while we're on the subject of the Combine, here's an interesting dynamic. <clears throat> there are dozens, dozens of players who were at the combine and yes, they got physical, which is great, but there are dozens of players that chose not to work out at the combine. Yep. I.e. Joe Burrow, I.e. Chase Young, I.e. Well, Tua couldn't do it. I mean, he was, he was still hurt, but 
a lot of really, really highly, let's just say highly projected players. I'm not going to say highly rated players, but highly projected players who chose not to work out at the combine with, with an eye towards working out for their pro days. And that just gives you an idea. None of them knew, none of the schools, none yeah. of the teams, whatever, knew that Alabama was never going to have a pro day, that LSU and Joe Burrow was never going to have a pro day. So um, that's what makes this, this draft really, really interesting in that you've got the first pick in the draft hasn't even had a – I mean, I don't know if he did a, a, a you know, one of the private setting workouts where they sent the video out to team. I don't even know. I don't represent Joe, so I'm not trying to keep up with that. But theoretically, the first pick in the draft hasn't run a 40, hasn't thrown for teams, hasn't done any of this stuff. Now, granted, he had arguably the greatest college season in the history of college football, um, and I don't think it's going to change his draft status, but that is an interesting, really, really unique dynamic for these teams. And I go, you know, you're familiar with Kevin Colbert, obviously having been with the yeah. Steelers. He said, look, the greatest draft ever was the, the class of 1974 with the Steelers. I think they drafted three or four Hall of Famers in that class. Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, you know, guys like that. And he said, this is going to force us to go back and really get into the tape because we don't know what Chase Young is going to run. You know, we don't, we, we have no idea what his 40, his 40 time is. And um, so that, that to me is a really, really interesting dynamic. And then you, you, you layer in the fact that, you know, teams haven't been able to go into to Auburn or Athens or um, Knoxville or, Gainesville or Tuscaloosa and do private workouts and, and really put guys through the drills that they want to see. Um, they haven't bring in, been able to bring in guys for what we call top 30 visits where teams are allowed to give guys updated physicals and really spend time with these players, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, an interpersonal basis. Mm-hmm. So what they've had to do, what they've had to do is literally have these video virtual video meetings on zoom or, you know, Google or, you know, what have you to try to get to know, you know, Chase Young or to, uh, or you name, name the player. And uh, so I think it's all going to put, push a lot, a lot of the valuation evaluation is going to gravitate towards what they're seeing on tape. And frankly, that's what it should be. Um, and, and I do think that where we've gotten to in, in scouting and evaluation, when you combine the fact that let's just take a guy that started 50 games at Georgia in the SEC, which is triple A to the, to the NFL, you've got the, all that, all that tape. And then you've got a senior bowl and then you've got the combine and the combine workout. Do we really need pro days? Do we really need private workouts? Do we really need, you know, all of that on top of that? It's just, you know, we just, the teams continue to spend more and more money evaluating these guys and traveling to all these pro days and traveling to private workouts, bringing players in. And look, a lot of these things we have to, as agents, have to go to as well. Um, But back when the Steelers drafted that 74 class, there was no combine. There were no pro days. Mm-hmm. There were no private workouts. There were there were you know there were no top thirty visits. You you watch tape, and that's how you evaluated players. And fast guys play fast on tape yep. typically. <laughs> so, um, but 
that is a unique dynamic for this this draft, particularly when you've had access to all this information for the last 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden that spoon is ripped out of your mouth. And I think the teams that are going to do well in this draft are those teams that know how to evaluate tape and personnel. And I don't know how it's going to affect the teams that are really heavy into analytics. You know, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Analytics or the intangibles. I mean, you mentioned the top 30 visits, the private workouts, the pro days that were scheduled and then canceled. I mean, look, these guys are not college athletes anymore. So if you're sitting at home listening, anything's on the table. Teams can come in. You can have dinner with them. You can go out and, and you know, go enjoy whatever with them so they can get to know you as a person. That's not happening anymore. And like Pat's saying, they're getting on a Zoom call or a FaceTime or a Google. And obviously, you can control your answers much better in that type of environment than guys just kind of laying into you or maybe trying to catch you off guard, trying to see what kind of person you are. So how often are you speaking with your guys, your draft prospects and or your vets throughout this opportunity or throughout this circumstance? Because one thing I also thought about was the limited marketing opportunities for your draft prospects. A great time for these guys to make some money before the draft happens. And really, it's all at a standstill. Yeah, so at the risk of digressing on 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 your last comments, um, as you said, um, these teams. I mean, a typical uh, interfacing with a team and a player would be um, the Detroit Lions uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach wants to. It's a bad example because Matthew Stafford's there, but let's just assume they really need a quarterback. Yeah, they would come in and take you know, Joe Burrow or Tua or uh, Justin Herbert, come in, take him to dinner, talk about life, mm-hmm. talk about ball, see see his life skills, you know, does he know how to hold a fork? Does he know how to, yeah. to cut meat, you know? Um, does a guy order three shots of tequila at dinner? I mean, crazy things like that. And then the next morning they're going to go in and, and spend – 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour because he's a quarterback watching tape and doing all those things. And and some of that you're limited to when you're doing this virtual stuff. And then they're going to go go out on the field and you're standing there with the guy watching his, his drops, watching his release from five or six or 10 feet, whatever, you know, versus having to watch this guy from a, 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 freaking press box angle yeah. or an end zone angle, you know, in a, in a game. So it's just so much more up close and personal. And I see why the teams have pushed it to this point because, you know, with these contracts and you're drafting guys in the first round and their contracts are fully guaranteed, you, you don't want to make mistakes, not only on the pick, but on the money. Um, so, but anyhow, so back to your question about marketing, listen, not only is it affecting uh, a lot of the rookie stuff, like the trading card deals, memorabilia deals, things like that, we're actually already we we had already done a lot of those um, for for our clients back in January, February before this thing really shut everything down. But the guys that it's affected probably as much or more than anybody is our veterans mm-hmm. because we had all these we had all these off season appearances. Paid personal appearances lined up, um, you know, 
potential renewals of endorsement things. These companies right now, they're struggling financially. And one of the first things that's going to go is their sports marketing budget. No doubt. And we don't even, we don't even know if we're going to have a season. We truly don't know with a hundred percent certainty whether we're going to have a season. So is Verizon, you know, re-upping with, you know, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks until they have a better feel for what's going to happen. And, and think about on a on an even larger scale. Think about the chilling effect it's going to have on networks wanting to race to the table to do deals with NFL, not knowing what's going to happen this year. Um, you know, because I would think that the negotiations are going to impact the revenues that they pay this year because they'll front load some of the extension revenues and those kind of things. So it, it's, yeah, the marketing, the marketing, corporate sponsorship, season ticket sales, suite sales, the payment schedule for season ticket sales, all that. It's just been, you know, it, it's, it's just been, the brakes have been slammed on. And our marketing people from, from my firm, who you know and do a great job, they're sitting here going, all we can do right now is check on our clients and check on the vendors and, yeah. and people that we deal with, it, the people we deal with at Nike or Under Armour or Adidas or Panini or, you know, you name the vendor. We can All we can do right now is check on them because they're not doing business. They're not conducting commerce right now. We're it's all just, at, at just a, a, a standstill. So, um, and that was, you know, a little bit of that dynamic was true in the lockout, but Listen, there, there was nothing to keep Brian Urlacher or DeMarcus Ware from going to do a paid personal appearance during yeah, the lockout. If yeah. anything, it was great because, you know, hey, they get to see the fans and, you know, it keeps the fans morale up and everything. But right now, I mean, we can't we can't send Geno Atkins into, you know, Kroger where Cincinnati is headquartered, yeah. um, you know, to do a pay, paid personal appearance. Um, so it's, 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 it's unchartered, unprecedented times and it's not just football it's across all sports and football is the nfl and and maybe to a lesser degree college football is so fortunate in that they were not in mid-season or the beginning of the season when this thing hit and hopefully we're going to have enough of a recovery to allow us to have some semblance of a of a normal season um but again i don't think anyone the commissioner um the head of the NCAA can guarantee with 100% certainty that we're even going to have a season. Um, we'll just, we'll have to see, you know, fingers across prayers said, but um, again, these are, these are unprecedented times and, and uh, we've got to, we've got to be socially responsible. I mean, it, you know, football is, is, has been here a long time. It will be here a long time, but this is, this is hopefully a temporary condition. And we just got to, we got to be smart. We got to be safe and, and do what, you know, makes the most sense, you know, sh short term for sure. And, and hopefully with a, with a, a longer lens as well. We have to, and it seems like we are for sure. Obviously, you know, football will be here for a long time. And if I can brag on you and your team at Sports Trust, I would think you guys are very well positioned because you're not just a sports agency. I would look at you more so as a sports management team. I mean, from client services to marketing to yourself, Pat, you check on your players, you check on their families. You're much more worried about them as people than just as players and contracts and marketing opportunities. So I know that's probably a huge factor of what y'all are doing from a day-to-day -day standpoint right now, especially – 
with the draft just being a week away. So how are you guys communicating with your clients before the virtual draft? Everyone's going to be at home next week. GM, scouts, personnel, players, agents, everyone will be at home. So have you practiced Zoom calls? Have you spoken with the league about the protocols using Microsoft Teams, I think is what they announced this morning. What's that been like as far as getting ready for the really crazy atmosphere that will be next week? Well, Drew, as, as, as you know, having, I mean, I, I remember vividly sitting there with you with your very close friend, Clint Bowling, at his house on draft day. As as you know, um, as much as agents would like to claim that they affect the draft process, um, we don't. We affect our, our client's preparation for the draft process. But at the end of the day, teams are drafting players, not agents. So for us, um, you know, obviously, and, and we didn't have anybody that's going to be invited to the green room in our draft class this year anyway, but for us, it's, it's not going to be that different as agents. I mean, I'm going to have, I'm going to be here myself and we are tentatively, tentatively planning to have our staff over here and we are less than 10 people. So I think that's a safe gathering yeah. and we, we'll do our best to social distance. And we've all been self quarantining. Um, we'll hand sanitize and do all those things, but we're going to come together as a group, um, you know, to, to watch the draft and for, for our clients, I mean, as long as their cell phone is working, you know, we don't need to video conference them to say, Hey, have you heard from a team? We can talk to them on a, on the phone text. Obviously we'll be updating them. I mean, I've had four conversations this morning before we spoke with teams about the draft prospects or draft feedback for each of our prospects. So we'll be re- relaying that information to our guys, you know, leading up to, to the start of the draft next week, um, just to manage expectations because we don't want them sitting there thinking they're going to the second or third round when all the teams are saying they're going to go in the fifth or sixth round. Um, and it, it will be, it'll be a long weekend. Everything's going to be, you know, different in, in terms of the way it's working, but really and truly, I mean, teams are going to make choices. They're going to inform the commissioner. The commissioner is going to announce the pick. I don't know what's going to go on beyond the, the first round. Um, typically, you know, someone else from the league office announces those picks. I could see, you know, the league involving former players from, a, you know, from the various teams uh, to announce the picks, you know, mm-hmm. virtually, but it, it's going to be, I mean, I, I just, I can't believe it's going to come off without any glitches. Yeah. Um, so we need to, we need to prepare ourselves for that. I, I think the league has already, you know, um, spoken to teams or, or implemented a plan. Like if there are glitches related to a trade, there'll be extra time allowed to facilitate the trade, different things like that. We just got to get through it. We just got to figure it out. And, um, you know, we talked earlier about the league's decision to to move forward with free agency on time, despite the onset of the, the pandemic, um, to, to move forward with the draft. Look, this league is, they are, the resources are unlimited. They've got the best and brightest working in the league offices. They've got the best and brightest working at, at, at each league team. 
And I feel sure any decisions that the commissioner has made and has the discretion to make are very, very well-informed decisions. They've been vetted out. They've been deliberated, again, amongst the best and brightest. And if you don't think there's a hotline between the commissioner's office and the White House yeah. or Congress or U.S. Senate, you're crazy. And, and, and those resources and resources to, the, to their medical uh, experts and all that. So I, I think anything the league is, is doing is, is going to be, again, very, very well informed, well thought out, very deliberated. Um, and again, the, the start of free agency on time, I was like, no way, you know, but, but looking back on it again, I'm glad it's, we're done. It did give the fans some content and, and some, something to preoccupy their thoughts other than, you know, how many people died that day, you know, or how many new cases there were in their, in their state or their locale or, or, or what have you. And hopefully the draft, particularly since I think by then we will be on the backside of this, on the backside of the curve, hopefully the draft will be very well-timed and a very positive experience for fans, for the players being drafted. And hopefully the teams and the league can survive it um, without too many glitches and, Again, it's just it's 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 something that this league, the players, the fans, we just got to get through. Just like the rest of the country is trying to just get through, you know, these very uncertain times. I a hundred percent agree with you. It's not like the league is making these decisions hastily on the fly. They are deliberately speaking with the best and the brightest to see how they should go about free agency while they're continuing with the draft and, and what happens next. You mentioned that off-season programs are starting April 20th virtually. Is that counting as far as workout bonuses go? I mean, is that going to be considered a check for guys getting some of these incentives in their contracts? Well, Drew, it's it's funny you ask that. Um, as soon as I saw the post on Pro Football Talk that the league and the PA had come to an agreement on what the parameters, the the hour, the daily hour, uh, hourly limitations were, what activities were going to be permitted, um, each player, each team is allowed to provide a player up to fifteen hundred dollars worth of workout equipment. Um, for their home it's there's a lot of specificity to it but really? as soon as I saw that yeah uh, as soon as I saw that I uh, I sent an email to to you know our entire firm that we need to I know the players will get that that memo from the PA but we've got a number of clients that have substantial you know 250 500 thousand uh, dollars workout bonuses and I sent out an email as soon as I saw that post saying, guys, we need to be in touch with each of our guys that has workout bonuses and let them know if they're not compliant with this, they're just setting themselves up for a team to come back and say, hey, you didn't earn the bonus because you didn't didn't participate. Um, I don't know how teams are going to. I guess theoretically could just manually record attendance to the virtual <laughs> workouts and the participation. And, and that's kind of the way they do it. You know, when, when the facilities are open, when they, when they are open. And, and I said, even further, you know, $235 a day for the guys that are, that are making the, the CBA mandated minimum for off season workouts for, for some of these guys that, that, you know, are young players or playing on league minimums or whatever. Heck, if you're going to be working out, why not get paid for it? Exactly. So make sure you participate. 
and 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 check the box. And and I do think it's a great way to engage players who have a hard time, you know, managing their day or getting motivated to do that four hours of work or whatever it is, get them plugged back in, preoccupy their thoughts away from, you know, this global pandemic. So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, it's going to be different, obviously. There's nothing like being there in person with your strength coach yelling and screaming and your teammates pushing you and, you know that dynamic from from college football and and playing in the league and all that, but again, it's just something we got to get through. And uh, I think probably um, there's going to be as much uh, intangible benefit, uh, intellectual benefit, just learning. Um, you know, for again for the younger players, you know the the opportunity to sit there and virtually watch tape with their position coach. And, um, and I'm sure they'll be given assignments and, and things like that. So I think there'll be a lot of learning. Um, I don't know that anybody's going to prepare for a marathon through these virtual workouts, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that a good, a good bit of the time is allocated towards, you know, virtual learning. And, and then how about this dynamic of the new coaching staffs I know, and new schemes and, and new, and new OCs and new DCs and, to think that who knows when we're going to open back up, but to think that they can't be out there on the field together and we're going to have this, you know, hopefully we'll have some semblance of an all season program, but it's going to be really, really compressed because we don't even know when facilities are going to open back up. Um, <laughs> it's so crazy, man. It's going to make, it's going to make for, make for an interesting season. And then, and then, you know, this as well, having, having played the league, Think about all the learning that the rookies did from like literally the weekend after the draft. Some team, about half the league, will have their rookie mini camps yep. the first weekend after the draft. And then, you know, the rookie offseason program starts May the 15th. And they would be there essentially till about July the 1st. That's six weeks of in person, on the field. Intensive uh, lifting, learning. conditioning, work, intensive learning, and all that goes away. Um, and how does that how does that affect Joe Burrow? You know, as as he's going to be anointed as the starter next Thursday night for in the face of the franchise for the Cincinnati Bengals. How does that how does that affect him and his his ability to contribute in a meaningful way? you know, in the 2020 season, knock on wood, that we, we have a 2020 season. So it's, um, yeah, but look, it could be worse. We could have been in the middle of the season, like basketball was like hockey was sure. like baseball was about to be. And, and, uh, so I, I, I'm convinced that the NFL is the only league that has ability to dodge the raindrops. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I remember in 08 and 09, we're in the height of a recession, the worst recession in my lifetime. And I, at some point in that window, there were um, the con the TV contracts were, were being renegotiated. And I remember, and you know how much that drives the salary cap. Of course. I remember sitting there going, man, I just hope the league can, can get, you know, the networks to re-up at their, at the rate they had them for the last five years. Well, they got like forty and fifty percent increase. Yeah, of course. In 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 rights fees in the height of the recession. So, 
I, I kid my friends. I chose the right line of work because this is the only league that's recession proof. It is, man. Maybe corona, maybe coronavirus proof. I mean, they, you know. And again, I'm knocking on wood here that we have a season. But man, if they, we could somehow get back to normal, you know, mid June, early July, whatever, and you know, have some semblance of an off season and or training camp, and then have a season. I mean, uh, uh, you know, that would be. That'd be awesome. And, you know, and obviously with a dad who, you know, coached college football for 30 years, Hall of Fame inductee, I'm really pulling hard for the college season, you know, to, 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 to be, you know, somewhat normal too. And I just, I can't imagine, I mean, I, I feel so bad for all these, let's just call them spring sport athletes, the baseball players, the basketball players, you know, men's and women's golf, women's softball, equestrian, track and field, the idea that they've worked so hard to have their senior spring, their senior season. And I, I know that the NCAA is granted an, you know, an extra year of eligibility and all that, but that's another year of school. It's another year off your life. Do you, you do that? You know, what schools are going to pay for, which are not. Um, I just feel so bad for those guys. And then projecting into the fall, you know, you, you, you worked so hard to have your senior season you know, at Georgia or Auburn or whatever. And let's just assume you're not an NFL prospect and this is your last go around. I for just sure. feel so bad, you know, for, for those players and, and, and their families and all the sacrifices they've made to, to get to the point to have their senior year at Georgia or Alabama or what have you, regardless of whether they're playing or not. Um, so it's, uh, you know, again, it, it's, it's very, very, very sobering um, to see, you know, what we're dealing with and the idea that we're probably ultimately going to end up with, I don't know, five or six times as many deaths in New York from yeah. this pandemic pandemic than we had at 9-11, which is arguably, I was born in 1962, 9-11 is arguably the most significant event in my life. Yep. Um, you know, Viet- Vietnam War was obviously big, <laughs> but I mean the idea that we got attacked on our own home turf, you know, by internationals and, and, you know, 2,800 people died. And and you're sitting here looking at, we've got 23,000 that have, have passed away in our country alone. Um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's truly crazy, but I really am. I got to say this, man, I'm a, I am a, despite the fact I was born in Canada when my dad was playing in the CFL, <laughs> I am about as red blooded American male and Southern male as they come. I'm super patriotic. And, and I'm just, I'm so, so proud of the way our country across the board has responded to this and, and being selfish, selfless and unselfish and doing everything they can to mitigate this. And obviously we're seeing the results of that. And, um, I just, you know, my hope is um, through this, we, we, we become an even more united country. I hope that we move a lot of our manufacturing and production back to domestic territory so we don't have to rely on other people. And I won't name who they are for <laughs> pharmaceuticals and, and all that stuff. And I, all of which is going to help drive our American economy. And, and um, you know, my hope is we're just, we're going to come out on the, the other side of this and it's not going to happen overnight, but, come out on the other side of this and even stronger country 
with an even more thriving, you know, economy, stock market, labor market, all of those things. So, no question. Anyhow. No question. And I can co-sign that. You said you're red-blooded Southern American. I mean, I know that for a fact. And um, yeah, I mean, this is the most significant thing that's happened in my lifetime too, I think, because 9-11 was prior to that. I'm 30 years old, soon to be 31. But no question. I mean, this is crazy from the fact that I haven't left my house in seven or eight weeks. A lot of the stuff I do from a media perspective has been put completely on halt. The work that I do on finance put completely on halt right now as far as prospecting goes as well. But um, yeah, it's crazy. And everybody's having to deal with it at the same time. One final question for you, Pat. You mentioned nobody knows if we're going to have football this fall. Nobody knows what it's going to look like. But If they do get the go-ahead and they say, hey, we've got testing protocol in place because obviously it would be a medical miracle if a vaccine were to be developed within four or five months, do you think players will say, I'm all in, let's put the pads back on and get to playing football? Because as far as I'm concerned, the athletes that I've talked to, they want to play football and they're healthy enough to where I think if they have the testing and the doctors say it's okay, but we're just going to have to test without a cure right now, that they're going to play. What's your thought process on what it will look like this fall if there is football? Yeah, so, I, you know, obviously, um, I think everyone knows that this this virus has affected um, the elderly population with pre-existing conditions. In, in by far the most traumatic fashion. Sure. I, I literally scrolled, I scrolled through all the all the deaths in the state of Georgia today, and it was like literally ninety percent of them, ninety percent had some sort of pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say all that to to give you context. With football players, you're talking about young, healthy physical, I mean, just incredible physical specimens. Um, They got the best medical care with their team docs, their trainers, the league's resources for decontamination, sanitization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think if we can get to a point where the medical experts, the Fauci's, the Dr. Burks's, you know, say these people, you know, are, are, are not at risk or not at substantial risk. And, and, and look, I'm not going to minimize this. If, if, if a 24 year old corner were to get sick, he's not likely to die. Mm-hmm. He's not. And, and he may have mild symptoms. We don't, we don't, we don't know for sure, but um, that I think the most challenging aspect as I see it right standing here today and, and the thing that's most uncertain is I think we can I think we can play football. I think those guys they can consent. Uh, they're they're getting paid their salaries. They're, they 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 want to get out of the house. They want to go play. They want to earn their income. All those things. I think the thing that's most uncertain is what is the fan engagement going to look like. Yeah. Um, are, are we are we going to play in empty stadiums? Are we going to play with fans that? you know, or socially distancing. Um, that, that to me is the thing that's going to be most challenging. The players themselves, 
as healthy as they are, as young as they are, um, the income they derive, um, the medical attention they have, the test. I mean, literally, they could get tested every day when they walk into the facility. Yep. Um, but when you start introducing 88,000 fans at Jordan Hare Stadium, you know, um, and I'm, I know it's a college football example or you know, 73,000 fans at Mercedes-Benz, the Mercedes-Benz stone. Um, that's a, that is from where we're standing right here yeah. today. That's a, that's a big leap, brother. That is a big, big leap. And you're only talking about, you know, half of April, May, June, July, August. I mean, you're talking about four and a half months. Um, and, and look, I hope that four, four and a half months is, you know, plenty of time for us to get back to, you know, a sense of, of normalcy and that if maybe we don't have a, a vaccine in place, maybe we've got, you know, uh, medications that are just shut this thing down, you know, so yeah. people aren't at risk of, of, of dying. But I, I just, again, I think the fan interaction and the fan engagement, the fan participation, the fan attendance, that's what's, that that to me is what's most uncertain. I, I think there there are ways that we could certainly, you know, play the games. But I, I, I read it ironically the other day. I think it was a punter or kicker um, was just talking about how how odd it would be playing in an empty stadium and and how much juice those guys get from the fans. No I mean, even when you're on the road, yeah, you know, and um, it, it would be like scrimmaging. You know, I mean, with really the stadium and I, I just, uh, that, that's going to be, that's going to be the fascinating dynamic to, to see how that unfolds is, 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 you know, A, do we play games, which I think is, is feasible B, you know, what, how are the fans going to participate? Are they going to be, you know, allowed in the stadium? Are there going to be a limited number of fans? Are they going to have to social distance or are we going to be to a point with the the level of infection, the level of medication, success of medication, et cetera, um, to to have fan participation, and and you know at some point maybe it becomes the fans' decision. And, and if you're you know seventy seven years old and you've got you know some respiratory disease, that person is probably going to choose not to go to the Falcons game. Course and 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 rightfully so. So maybe maybe there's some of that you know kind of discretion that's involved as well. But that's going to be the thing. I think we I think we can play games. I think these guys they're young, healthy, great medical resources. All of that. It's just it's, it's what is it going to look like in the in the stands? Um, so. Yeah, you're echoing exactly what Dr. Destin Hill said on the podcast last week, which uh, he's a team position for the Arizona Cardinals. He he said that bluntly. He goes, I'm not trying to take the severity of the disease away, but we're not worried about 20 to 30-year-old super athletes who are generally healthy. They may show mild symptoms. What we're worried about is the fan engagement or older trainers in the building, coaches who are generally right. pretty unhealthy during the season. What happens to those people when they go back and see their families? So that's kind of the web 
that gets cast widely. But he seemed pretty certain that there would be football. It probably will look differently. You mentioned the college aspect of it, too. I heard an, uh, an interview from Coach Chris Hack, Georgia's golf coach, who you know. He was talking about how, yes, spring sports have been canceled. Those seniors have been given an extra year of eligibility. And Coach Hack said, well, what about the guys that I've committed scholarships to to come in? You know, if a senior decides to stay, now I'm pinched for scholarships. That couldn't happen with football. There are way too big of numbers, I think, to where if the NCAA were to sit there and say, we're going to cancel the season, seniors get an extra year of eligibility. I mean, you are throwing a wrench into the revenue stream that really keeps these universities afloat. So I think there will be football. Uh, I do think it'll look differently. Hopefully, somehow, there will be some sort of fan consent. Players should be okay in the long run. But, man... It's crazy. You and I could talk about this all day long. There's so much to discuss from so many different angles. Most importantly, though, I and our listeners really appreciate your insight to what next week will certainly be a memorable virtual NFL draft. We'll be rooting for you and your team at Sports Trust for all of the success. And keep us updated on anything changes, man. Thank you so much for your time, Pat. I hope you and the family continue to stay healthy. I appreciate it, Drew, and best to, to you and, and your family. Congratulations on your new addition. And uh, y'all y'all stay safe and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Awesome, man. Thanks, Pat. Have a great one. Take care. Awesome insight gained from Pat Dye Jr. to Sports Trust Advisors there in regards to really just the state of the NFL right now, what to expect from the virtual draft next week, how free agency was decided to be continued, and how – the NFL and football in general will move forward amid the coronavirus pandemic, hopefully figuring out a way to continue on with the season this fall. I tell you what, I mean, I could have talked to Pat all day about this. You can go at this from so many different angles, trying to figure out a path to getting back to some sort of normalcy. But I think, and I've remained steadfast in this opinion since the beginning of this entire ordeal, the NFL is going about this the right way. Pat brought up a great point. They are not doing anything hastily. The NFL is probably the best private-run business in the entire world. Okay, They have direct lines of contact with just about every single valid decision maker, probably, well, for certain in this country, probably around the world for sure. There is a reason they are continuing with business as usual, hopefully, hopefully. And again, it will look different, but hopefully we will have football this fall, and thankfully we will have the draft next week. Again, they're doing a lot of good, practicing social responsibility, creating some charitable fundraising around the draft to help out what we were all dealing with certainly in different forms and and in many different seriousness varieties as well but it'll be interesting I know we will all be tuned in a lot of great SEC players set to be drafted a lot of great Georgia Bulldogs set to be drafted as well I think ratings will be skyrocket high I think engagement will be awesome social media will be on fire and I think it'll be fun to see how these networks really figure out ways to be creative and bring us the 2020 NFL draft from a virtual sense these agents are going to have their hands full no doubt but like Pat said look they're just there to be the intermediary. It's not like they control anything as far as who gets selected where. So great to hear from Pat. Great to hear that they're doing well and adapting well amid this crazy time. Follow them again 
at Sports Trust underscore Sports Trust on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Drew Butler and follow the show at Punt and Pass. Thanks again for tuning into this Punt and Pass pandemic podcast. The Quarantine Chronicles have been ton and they have been a ton of fun, and they will continue to be. And we'll talk to you next time, right back here on Punt and Pass. Till then, see you.